In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. Back in Houston after a fruitful week in Indianapolis at the Combine, Drew Doherty with you, John Harris. How are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm him. I mean, I'm him. I'm the guy you mentioned. That's I right. mean, I don't know if I'm him, like all these guys want to say. Not it's kind Timothy, of an interesting. Timothy? Yeah. I'm him, built different. Like, no, you're not. Yeah. No offense. I mean, there have been a lot of people like you in the league. You going to tell me you built different from Randy Moss? No. Muscles, bones, yeah. skin, and hair. You're, yeah. all the, you're all the same in some sense. Now, mm-hmm. some of you are built a little differently because you're 6'8", six, 365 pounds like Dewan Jones from Ohio State. But now that's built different. That's built different. All right, we're going to talk about how there's been a shakeup, or has there, post-combine. Before that, I want to do a little game. I'm going to say the name of a former Texan player or coach I saw in the halls okay. at the combine and chit-chatted with. I'm just going to say the name. And then you answer back with a different name, and we're okay. going to see how long and how far we can take this. T.J. Yates. Oh, you took the easy one. And we can go executives as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, okay, this is – okay. Do I do all of this in one slam dunk No, no, here? just one. Just you one? You say one, and then I say one. And okay. Then we just keep going back and forth. Former running backs coach, Charles London. Mike Vrabel. Former Texans quarterback, Dave Ragone. Former Texans GM, Brian Gain. Um, did you say Rabel? I did. Dang it. Um, oh, shoot. Akeem Dent, former Texans linebacker. That's a good one. Former Texans scout, now with the Jets. I don't know if he was a director of scouting here or what, but John Carr. Yeah. Good to see John. Okay. Um, I feel like there's just some, right? Oh, former Texans linebacker, D'Amico Ryans. That's... I'll give it to you. Technicality, but I get it. It's cool. It's I cool. get it. <laughs> um, I know I I'm missing some, but I'm tapped out. Uh, you win. You get the last one. Um, I'm trying to think. There's there's got to be more. So, oh oh, that I talked. I, with, I got another that you one. Talked with former Texans linebackers coach. Mm-hmm. I think he was assistant linebackers coach maybe at the time. Now Tennessee Titans defensive coordinator Shane Bowen. Oh, you saw Shane? So I kind of, so Mark and I had gone to lunch one day, mm-hmm. and we happened to see at two different tables. I happened to see Charles London as I was going around the corner, so I kind of just pat him on the arm and shook his hand. I look over, there's Vrabel, kind of giving me that smirk, <laughs> and so I just kind of stared at him. I was like, all right, I'll shake his hand. What I didn't realize was also sitting at that table was Dave Ragone. Okay. Falcons offensive quarterbacks coach uh-huh. and Falcons head coach Arthur Smith. How about that? To the next table to the right was Shane Bowen, Titans defensive coordinator, for, former Texans assistant coach. Like and Shane. then it was Texans play-by-play voice, Mark Vandermeer, and me. Shane was a good... That was our balcony lunch. Shane was a good four-square player. At yeah, the Shane, was, Shane was a great... He was a really great coach, and it was, it was good to catch up with him and how well he's doing up at Tennessee. I will say this, Tennessee, oh boy. It could get interesting. Yeah. Before we get into that, or if uh, we get into that, we'll, we'll say that. You for later. said Vrabel's smirk, mm-hmm. and I got to tell this publicly. He's I told you always, this. He's I've told you this story way. before, but I love it. It needs to get out there. I'm a fan of Mike Vrabel, mm-hmm. and you say Vrabel's smirk. Well, yeah. 
in the preseason on our, our broadcast, our TV broadcast, I handle the, the sideline reporting. And so what that means is off at kickoff, they go down to me after they uh, do their intro and go to break, and they come out of the break. They say, no, 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 Drew. And I do an intro yeah. at the first. I'll pop in from time to time in the first or second if something's happening and then interview the head coach as he's going into the locker room, mm-hmm. go to break, come out. I am on camera briefly, and I set up a story, goes to break, come back, set up another story, go to break, and then they take over and they mm-hmm. they go from there. Well, for that second halftime intro, usually the players and coaches start filtering out on the field. Usually yeah, the yeah, coaches yeah. first. Right. So I'm getting set to do that, and my the like my heels are on the field, and my toes are on the out of bounds line. Right. So I'm just kind of there. And then the camera guy is about two yards away, right. right in front of me. And then typically at home, they have a CSC, like a security right. person, sort of yeah. making sure nobody walks in between me and the camera. And it's right. you know it's nice. And yeah. in this instance, in 2017, when Vrabel was DC, there was kind of an elderly lady doing the job. Mm-hmm. And I'm waiting, and I get in my ear, our good pal Dave Keeney, the producer, yep. says... 15 seconds. So they're coming back to me in 15 seconds. So I'm getting ready. You know, the, the butterflies get going. And I look mm-hmm. to my right very briefly and I see Vrabel coming out of the tunnel. And if you've never seen Vrabel in person, like clearly, clearly he's a big dude on mm-hmm. camera. Yeah. In person, Vrabel looks like a house. Yeah, he's impressive. His shoulders, it looks like um, looks like a fence post. His, <laughs> his shoulders are just like that wide. He's a yeah. big guy. Yeah. And he's lumbering out and he's got his head down and he looks up and sees me. And sees the camera, and then sees the lady trying to keep people from coming. And in that split second, he notices what's going on. He has a plan of attack, and he the Vrabel smirk mm-hmm. comes out. Yeah. So he was walking at one speed, and after the smirk, he picks up the speed very, very briskly and takes about a 45-degree angle straight for the lady. Like, he's going <laughs> to come in between the shot. Yeah. And... <laughs> And he gets about a yard and a half shy of the lady and then veers off like a running back right <laughs> as I'm going on camera and starting my intro. And it was pr- I didn't mess it up, but uh, I had a nice laugh about it internally uh, after I got into that. But that's my favorite, yeah, favorite that's, Vrabel smirk story. Yeah, that's typical. There'd, there'd be times where Vrabes would see me in the hallway, wouldn't say anything. And then there'd be times where he would almost like seek me out. He's like, hey, man, I saw you on film. You got no vertical leap, you know? <laughs> like he would see me <laughs> celebrating a pick or something, yeah. and he would give me crap about it. But uh, you talk about a heck of a football coach. So yeah. uh, that guy is that guy has turned into everything that everybody said about him. Now, he's also working on a seven-game losing streak, so yeah. we'll see yeah. how that goes for the Titans. But uh, but I digress. But that was that was our lunch one of the days that we were there. Just it, it was That was kind of an amazing lunch because we saw all them, and then – um, there was a, a contingent of Lions. I saw Kelvin Shepard, who's the linebackers coach, who we saw in Hard Knocks. They were kind of down below. Jeez, I feel old. I remember covering him at the Senior Bowl, yeah, Kelvin Shepard. Kelvin Shepard. Goodness now, now, gracious. Uh, now linebackers coach. Very good one. If you watch Hard Knocks, you know exactly who he is because he was pumping up Malcolm Rodriguez, and he was giving his vets the business because they weren't playing at his level. And then they got into the season, and Malcolm Rodriguez was a key player for them throughout the season so yeah it, it was always interesting to go to lunch and just you were going to see somebody you just didn't 
you didn't imagine you were going to see. And then we just happened to see a bunch of them in those two tables by us where we were sitting. So, yeah, that was definitely name dropping at its best. Yeah, I love the combine. It's, it was yeah, a it's fun good. trip this year. Hey, one of the things that we always see every year, and this year is no different, guys doing really, really well in the 40-yard dash mm -hmm. or if they're a quarterback throwing or yeah. you know, so on and so forth. They do great, the, the, the three-cone drill, the vertical, all that stuff. They do awesome. And those are important, mm -hmm. but ultimately it usually goes back to the game film and what you know the strength coaches say to the scouts and stuff like that. But I've seen a lot of – I'm doing the mock draft roundup, kind of mock draft survey yep. thing, and that'll go up on HoustonTexans.com in the next couple of days. It's the post-combine one. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of teams, or a lot of po a lot of mock drafts having the Colts going with Anthony Richardson, the quarterback at number four, at number one, at number one, trading up with the Bears to get him. And now Anthony Richardson, there there's a lot of intriguing things about the mm -hmm. guy. How did a Florida offense with Anthony Richardson and Damian Pierce not do a whole lot better? Um, I think because of what Damian Pierce did last year with the Texans, it makes Florida look even worse. So maybe that factors in, and I, I saw some stat yesterday. A lot of Anthony Richardson's passes got dropped by his receivers. I think only one or two teams out of 108 had a worse rate yep. in that regard. Yeah. Who knows? But how much does the draft board really get jiggled, do you think, after the combine? Because I think it's just more of a kind of a confirmation of things. I don't think you see guys – truly leap up the board because of what they did at the combine do you here here are the things that i think there are changes when it comes to the combine number one start at the top medicals which we don't know about right well, exactly that's you know, why I'm, I'm, I'm going medicals we'll never know yeah. none of us will ever know unless we have people in the and my building reaction wasn't will... to you no it i was know to... i know um Unless people in the building tell us as such, as Jeff as Jeff Kaplan did one year, he was like, oh, you draft experts think you know anything, <laughs> and you don't know anything about the medicals. And I was like, well, Cap, I know. Of course we don't know. That's not for us to know. So right. we do our best with that information. Now, there's, there's obviously some of that out there because it's, you know, the Internet's a pretty large thing. And so you can find out Tajay Spears had two uh, season-ending injuries at Tulane that you're concerned about but you come out of the combine you're like man oh boy that knee or that back that thing uh is an issue so medicals number two if there's any sort of character issue that can come out during the interviews you know some of the underclassmen well the underclassmen the, the scouts have been watching but they really haven't gotten a chance to know them because you don't know where they're going to come out for the draft so this is the first time so you walk in and you're really excited about this guy, but you really haven't spent much time. You've done some digging, but then all of a sudden he walks in and his attitude, his behavior, whatever, just be like, no, that is not us. That's not our squad. And then that guy falls off. And it happens for a few teams. And then all of a sudden it gets out to the media and away you go. To me, it's the last thing is some sort of athletic performance you weren't expecting. Like, man, we saw that guy like play at a 4-3, but he ran a 4-8. Like, it's got to be pretty drastic. I got asked this on Tuesday, what was yesterday, Monday. I was hopped on with, with Show and Clint Sterner on Sports Radio 610. And they asked me, how much did the, my combine rankings change or did anything change after, you oh, know, in yeah. particular, yeah, they the were talking about Yeah, they were talking about it on Monday. And I said, none. I was like, really? I said, none. 
I said, because you expected Anthony Richardson to test. Yeah, it's the greatest athletic performance ever, but we sort of knew, and I sort of, we knew, I knew, he was a freakazoid athletically. You knew that. You could watch him throw the football and go, whoa, wow. Mm-hmm. But the things you're not going to see at the Combine are how's he going to do with a rush when he's got to throw that 15-yard in cut, that basic route, and against Tennessee, he airmailed one. Against Vanderbilt, he missed it three yards behind a receiver. You're not going to see at the combine. Those are the things that I want to know whether he's improved or whether it's going to get better. Or I want to know those things. I want to know how um, how does he handle pressure a little bit. Those things you're not going to find at the combine. Well, we knew about Anthony Richardson in particular. And I'm using him, and I don't want to use him as a – because I think he's incredibly intriguing even in watching him because he had some games where it looked like, boy, that is incredible. Yeah. But he'd have other games where you're like, man, why is he just fading? So – in all honesty, Drew, and I and I don't go to the campuses. I don't. I just kind of rely on my eyes and what I've seen. And, and I'll give you a good case. But my point being, I don't. It doesn't change a whole lot. This combine didn't change a whole lot for me in my rankings. Mm-hmm. DJ Turner was a great case, kind of that kind of fits. Sometimes what you look for, because I'm not on campus and I don't travel to campuses unless you know local pro days and things like that. DJ Turner from Michigan was a guy that I watched in the Maryland game, which, by the way, the Maryland guys ran unbelievably. Deontay Banks was <laughs> are you kidding yeah. me. And then Ja'Cory and Bennett ran the same thing. So those two showed it off. Well, I happened to watch the Michigan-Maryland game for those corners. That's the game I watched for those three. And I'm intrigued by all of them. And I'm like, wow, these guys can all move. And I'm looking at Banks. He's a little bigger. Like, Turner looked a little thin. Either way, I'm watching him, and I'm thinking, boy, Banks is the best of these guys. Boy, he can really fly. Turner's good. I like the way he plays, but that guy, Banks, he's he's the stud of this group. So we get to the combine. Or before we get to the combine, I watched the TCU mission game. And I started watching the game because of Mozzie Smith and Steve Avila. Smith is a nose tackle from Michigan. Avila is the uh, interior lineman for TCU, and they got a battle going. Yeah. I mean, it's like Quentin Nelson, DJ Reader stuff. I mean, it's I mean, it is football. Uh, you know what? I mean, it's just I'm loving it. But at some point, Darius Davis, who ran a, in the mid four threes, could fly. He was on. A, he had all kinds of track numbers. Knew he could run. They had him in the, in the slot. They were in a slot fade, and DJ Turner was on him step for step. And I remember writing in a scouting report. I was like, I don't know what DJ Turner runs, but I know what that guy runs because he's a track guy. I was like, if he runs that, and DJ Turner made it look easy, then I know DJ Turner can run. Mm-hmm. But the combine confirmed how fast DJ Turner could run when he ran a 427. Wow. Like that's smoking fast. Now, I don't think corners of position Texans will will look at until later, but for two reasons. Number one, what they did last year, both free agency and the draft, but also in a draft this deep, you can get a cornerback four or five, fourth, fifth, sixth round. But it just proves kind of the combine can be used as confirmation for what you know it's just quantifying that. And that's what I said. Anthony Richardson's numbers quantified how big an, a freakazoid athlete mm-hmm. but it had nothing to do with what he is as a quarterback. And so I didn't change my rankings. I went in quarterback rankings of Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, Henry Hooker. Nothing changed. You just said something in the course of that. that yeah, uh, sorry for joining on. We need to discuss a little further. You said campus visits. And what you're talking about is the groundwork. Yeah. Stuff that was happening last August, last September, by scouts from the NFL going to a campus and watching practice and kind of 
lurking in the shadows yes. and leering. It's different on a Tuesday in August yes. than it is on a Tuesday in February at the Combine in yes. Indianapolis. Absolutely. Guys are practicing maybe a little harder, maybe not as hard, maybe the same uh, degree of intensity. But you're also, as a scout, you're able to stand next to one of the assistant strength coaches and build a relationship or, yep. hey, the head strength coach and build a relationship and ask questions and maybe get the unvarnished truth, maybe get some BS. Mm -hmm. But that's where a lot of this work has happened. Yep. And a lot of the groundwork has been laid. And just as an example, and I, you can maybe prove me wrong or, or shoot this down, but I think strength coaches, mm -hmm. both in the NFL and college, know the pulse of the team. Yeah. And know the know how a guy responds to pressure, know how a guy responds to adversity. They see him in his good times. They see him in his bad times. And I'll, I'm always going to go back to this. In, in 2005, Texas Tech had a really good football team. They were undefeated through September. They had about six wins. They're around ninth or tenth in the polls. They go to Austin. They get smoked by the Horns. Vince Young and the Horns yeah. won the national title. No shame in that. I mean, they were, they were hanging with Texas for about a quarter and a half, but eventually the talent, the national champions, ran away from them. They go off. They, they win a few more games. They get to November, and they go to Oklahoma State, and the Cowboys were down that year. Cowboys had about two wins at that point, yeah, yeah. and they should have gone in. They should have beat, beat Oklahoma State. Well, they kind of, I don't want to say sleptwalk, but Cowboys got them. Cowboys beat them, mm -hmm. and so they were sort of flabbergasted by that. And we get, we, I was flying with the team because I'm covering, I'm hosting Mike Leach's TV show. And my videographer, Kirk Hurd, I had ridden to the airport with him. And so I've got the bags, Kirk's getting the car, Kirk's rolling up with the car. And it's in the middle of the night. There's nobody else. It's just the team that flew back. Yeah. I'm about to get in the car and I hear this, are you guys going to the field house? And I look and it's Mike Leach and he's on the phone and we're like, yeah, he's like, can I ride with you? And we're like, well, be, of course. So <laughs> Leach gets in the front seat. I get all the stuff in the back. Kirk helps me get the stuff in the back. I hop in. Leach is on the phone, and he's calling somebody, and he says, Benny, what happened? Well, Benny was Benny Wiley, yeah, or is Benny coach. Wiley, yeah, strength yeah. and conditioning coach at the time. He's been in some, some really high-profile places. It's the only time on about a 15-minute ride he said that we didn't hear leach say another word he was really? listening the entire time yeah it's the quietest i've ever heard mike leach yeah but that was a striking striking conversation for me because he was listening and he heard what was going on and what went wrong and what what he needed to do differently so yeah. that's just one little small example but i knew hearing that and hearing his silence that Oh man, uh, that's a really important guy that he's listening to. One of the one of the people that I've heard college coaches say is the most important hire for that particular reason, because he is part motivator, tone part setter. therapist, part counselor, mm -hmm. tone setter, everything is that guy or or woman. It's that person, physical improver. And it's also the person that the NFL scouts first go to mm -hmm. because that's where they're going to know. Now, I think a great example of how that works ha actually happened to the Texans back in 2013. 2013 draft, they drafted DeAndre Hopkins. It turned out to be one of the great draft picks. 
they drafted David Quisenberry in the sixth round, which I thought had David stayed healthy, he would have been one of the great draft picks too. I mean, David's still in the league. They drafted a guy named Sam Montgomery early in that draft, third round, I think. Yeah, he was one of the uh, – they had a comp pick, I think. Yeah, and so they took Sam Montgomery. And I never LSU. liked the pick because I always felt like Sam Montgomery was, first of all, 4-3 defensive end. Secondly, I just thought he's not a fit. I, I don't know. So earlier that year, which would have been 2012, LSU strength coach had put a, a sheet of paper outside on a window. And it was something in reference to, hey, these guys have chosen not to practice or not to work out. Captains, you need to discuss this or whatever the case might be. And Sam Montgomery's name was on, on that list. And I remember thinking, all the years the Texans have drafted, they've never really drafted guys that have had work ethic issues or you know problems in that way. Now, about a week later, you know, there was a story that came out. Oh, the strength coach was kidding or whatever the case was. But he put like four or five names on that list. Montgomery's name was one of those. Every single one of those names that was on that list ended up having a shot at the NFL and busting, mm. doing nothing. Yeah. And Montgomery did nothing for the Texans. Absolutely zip, zilch, zero. The strength coach was saying it. He was telling teams, hey, you don't have to have a conversation with me. I'm telling you what kind of dog yeah. or not this person is. Mm -hmm. And that's the first person that a lot of the scouts will end up going to. They want to know guys in the strength department because in that weight room, when it gets tough, are you cutting a rep? Are you not finishing? You have three, you have three sets of 12. Did you skate through and do two of 12 and then, you know, say you did the third, but you really didn't? Mm -hmm. Strength coaches and the strength staff are going to know all that because the hardest part for – a college football player is what happens in that weight room. And then you find guys that never miss a rep, that always are going a million miles an hour. And I think of Keith Brooking. Keith Brooking was a linebacker for the Atlanta Falcons. And I actually remember talking to OB about this because OB was at Georgia Tech at the time. And I remember one thing he said to me. We got to talking about him, and he said, Johnny, he never missed a rep. I said, like, what do you mean? He goes, if you gave him – five sets of 125 push-ups or whatever he did every single rep and stayed in the weight room until he got every single rep done he was the exact opposite well he ends up getting drafted by the falcons he makes the pro bowl he ended up being a fixture with the falcons for a while and you look back and you don't have to wonder why yeah. you know you get it now there are some that guys run into injuries you know something happens you know guys fall in love with the money whatever but you go and talk to the strength coaches and they'll tell you everything just like you go to the combine you go and you talk to the medical people. You talk to the training staff. Those would be the two groups that I would talk to. If I were a scout and I went on the road, I would, I would go to strength coach first. I would go to the training staff, and then I would go to the position coach. I don't even know if I would deal with the head coach. Right. I don't even know if I would deal with the coordinator. Those are the three that spend intimate time with those groups. So what happens for us in the media is we don't have access to any of that stuff. So the reason that things get all reconfigured and moved around after the combine is because the media is wildly reacting to things that have happened. Now, sometimes you don't. Some, sometimes people talk to the scouts, and the scouts give them some of that information. I make sure not to talk to any scouts because I'm in the building. And so I don't want anything that I have in the building, that I've gotten in the building or whatever to be used. So I just don't talk to the scouts right. for the most part. I don't talk to them. Now, there'll be every now and again where I'm like, I'm kind of stuck on a guy, and I'll just, you know, They'll, you know, I kind of offer up and 
like, hey, man, how do you, how do you like the safety group or how do you like this? And kind of take their thoughts and then I won't roll with it, but I'll take it under consideration. There'll be some times that a scout will tell me, man, I like this dude. I like this dude. And, and tell me why. So it's that you once you get to the combine, you can have some of that information. I felt like this combine just kind of confirmed a lot of things I thought. DJ Turner's speed. That was confirmed. I knew he was fast because he was running step for step with Darius Davis, who run, ran 4.36. He ran step for step with Quentin Johnston, who tested 4.38 or something at 6.3218 or whatever at TCU. So I knew he could run. You could see it with your eyes on the field, but then he confirmed it. So that, to me, was a lot of what the combine was. But there's always a guy that opens your eyes where you go, man, I really wasn't thinking of that guy, but holy cow, I need to. Zach Kuntz is a great one from Old Dominion. He was number one in almost every tight end category. The dude's 6'7". He had a 37-inch vertical. And you start looking at all the other numbers, you're like, oh, man. I need to go look and see why this guy, what he was at Penn State, why he transferred to Old Dominion, and did he show some things Old Dominion that we could get excited about that match these numbers that, okay, maybe that's a guy that I that I missed on. But for the most part, it's pretty pretty standard fare. You knew that guy was going to freaky test, test freakily? He did. Anthony Richardson. Uh, Addy Tamua. Adibore from Northwestern, easy for me to say. Hopefully I said that right. You knew those guys were going to test well. Yeah, edge guy. Well, hey. well, we think. He's 6'2", 284, unless you're really where he plays. But he ran the fastest time for a guy 280 pounds plus in 2003. I think somebody's going to figure it out. It's pretty good. That'd be kind of cool here. I think well, somebody could figure it out on the defensive side of the ball. Old Dominion, by the way, the, uh, the place where Justin Verlander, mm-hmm. as well as Nancy Lieberman, Oh, yeah. Exited from. Nancy yeah. Lieberman, one of the all-time greatest interviews ever. One of my favorite interviews really? ever. Oh, yes. that's cool. I produced many, many shows in which mm-hmm. she was a guest. and she, It was always just fascinating whenever she came on. That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Hell of a basketball player. And she used to play, like, in the early 80s with the dudes. Yeah. You know, she would, she like, roasted them, too. Scrimmage with, yeah, them. So, anyways, Nancy Lieberman, if you ever get a chance to talk with her or hear from her, do it. Because she was awesome and is awesome. Anyhow, this has been In the Lab, and you're awesome, John. You're awesome, Drew. Thanks, John.